do me a favor, find somebody you hadn't seen all week and go give them a hug and tell them, I'm so glad you decided to keep going. 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 I'm so glad that you decided to keep going. So glad. So, 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 so glad. So glad that you decided to keep going. This is the day the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Listen, I want to get to work. I'm not going to belabor you too long. I kind of want to work just a little bit today. Is that all right, Pastor Diane, just a little bit? Get your Bibles, and while you're getting to that, uh, so thankful for our pastor. Y'all show him some love. I'm so appreciative to him, the leadership team. I want to say thank you to each and every one of you who traveled with us all the way down to the nickel. Oh, I'm sorry, to Fifth Ward. To Greater Mount Lebanon Missionary Baptist Church. Um, I don't take it lightly that you would give up your time to follow a little country boy like me over to say my little old speech to the church, but I'm just so peacock proud. If I had feathers, I would spread them all the way out just to show my gratitude. But all I got is a thank you, and I hope that that's good enough. First Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to be in verses 16 through 18. And we're going to do our Bible confession. If you repeat after me, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. I can do what it says I can do. Today I will be taught the word of God. I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I'm about to receive incorruptible, indisputable, ever-living seed of the word of God. I will never be the same. I wish I had a church. I will never be the same. Talk to me in Jesus' name. And all of God's children said amen and amen. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. And when you get it, say, I got it. All right. Now, I am reading out of context, and I want to be clear that that's an intentional draw on me. I am reading from the ESV, which is the English Standard Version of the Bible, because I just like how nasty they got to the point. Most times when we look at the text, especially when we look at King James or some of the other versions, we we get bogged down trying to figure out who is thee, when is thou, how is if supposed to apply to that thing, right? And if you struggle speaking English appropriately, then getting attached to 18th century grammar is just a challenge. So I kind of like the way he just nastily translated this text. And it reads like this. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you, for you. I want to talk today from this subject without remorse, without remorse. You may be seated in the affidavit of God's presence. God, we thank you. We honor you. We bless you. Speak to us. Give us the grace that makes preaching easy. 
Give us the power to proclaim prophetically your servant's prayer. And devil, if you just happen to be listening, eavesdropping, if you will, I want to let you know that this assault is intentionally designed for your demise. We take no shame in your murder on today. In Jesus' name and all of God's children said, amen and amen. So thankful for our music ministry team. Y'all show them some love. A lot of times we get up on this thing that we call the pulpit, the platform, or whatever you want to call it these days. But up here, it looks easy to those sitting down there. But if you knew the hours of preparation and the work that goes behind the scene to make a 90-minute movement happen, you would be thankful every time you saw them come through the door. So I just want to say thank you all for coming through the door. In 2021, during the time that COVID was moving around, there was a movie that came out. I happened to have borrowed indefinitely my sister's Netflix password. I did not steal it because she gave it to me. Her failure to tell me when to stop does not make it my responsibility to say that I still have access to it. And so, you know, when Netflix came out with this abomination of dual passwords, and the devil is a lie. I have enjoyed free Netflix for the last two years. I come against that spirit of <laughs> legally free ain't never done nobody wrong in a long time. However, I was sitting down, Brother Desmond, and I, I was at one of those places, Pastor Diane, where I was irritated with God. Now, I'm going to talk to you because the rest of them ain't going to say nothing to me, but I was aggravated at the anointing that he set on me. I was mangled because of the mantle he set on my shoulders. My legs were getting tired because of the weight that is sitting on me that we call ministry. I am looking at the growth of the church, trying to balance that, looking at the success and future of what we've got to do. And I find myself perplexed between my feelings and my faith, trying to find how do I keep going and not quit? How do I arrive to the place that if I decide to quit, that I don't feel remorse about doing it. How do you keep going at the assault of your character and still be quiet? How do you show up to a job to people who say that they professionally respect you, but personally hate you because you got promoted to a place that they didn't qualify for? Well, I'm going to go ahead and put it out there for you. These are your church announcements. Favor ain't fair. And God doesn't give it to everybody. There is a benefit to living saved and sanctified even in these days. They don't talk about that no more. And so I've learned that even though folk want my glory, they don't want the stress of my story. I'm amazed at how many people are allergic to testifying. And they say that they are Bible believers. They, they, are, they, they, they are allergic to telling people their truth. They are, well, first off, have they seen their truth is the first thing. Because I did what the song said. For some people on Facebook, I've searched all over. 
and could not find your truth. I took old Yeller and rubbed your truth in his nose and sent him out and said, if you find it, bring it back to me. And old Yeller still hasn't come back to me yet. So I might be suggesting that the reason you haven't moved up is because you haven't come out. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. Because if the truth be told, some of us are still playing emotional hide and go seek. And we are expecting God to bless us in public, even though we're not meeting him in private. So then when the devil is on his job, I'm not mad at him for trying to steal, kill, and destroy you. Because then if you're not on your job praying without ceasing, then that might explain why some of the dents that's in your armor is not because you didn't have on the armor. It's because you didn't do the work to refine it. We talking, we talking, I, I, I ain't bothered you. And so then the movie Without Remorse came out. Man was um, in the military, went over Germany and Russia. Military job, went over there, did his job with fidelity. Did it with facts. He did it based on the orders that was given to him. He didn't deviate from the orders. They built the strategic plan for success to execute the mission. Went over, executed the mission with fidelity. Lost one person in casualty, drug out his superior, made it out, got everybody back home safely. Then after that, they got home, and then the Russians found out who it was that came over and killed their people. Isn't that right? And so then I just want to put a pin right here. Sometimes that we have to own that we could do our mission with fidelity and still have people out trying to kill us. You can do your job with high-yield professionalism and still have people who hate you because of your high-yield professionalism. Can I put this out there? Don't be mad because they hate you. Be mad because you can't figure out how to grow them. People who hate you want to grow. They don't want your story. They just want to grow. Sometimes, and this is for free, it's not my obligation to grow you. You are not always my responsibility, even though you're within my reach. Oh, y'all are quiet. All right, I'm going somewhere. So then he said, listen, I got home, got to his wife. His wife was pregnant. They went to a family gathering, family reunion, I think it was. And then all of a sudden, you saw people pulling up in vans, shooting people. People were being murdered, not because they didn't know how to fight, but they were strategically hunted down so that they could not fight any further. A lot of times, the reason you are missing how you are supposed to be on target isn't because you don't know where the target is. It is that you are being assassinated from afar on a task that you did with fidelity. You did what you were called to do, and folk got bothered. You did what you were built to do, and folk gave up on you. You stuck to your mission. You didn't deviate from your vision. And because you didn't do either one of them, the first thing you got was an assassination target on your back. Let me say this. If you're in any level of leadership in any organization, you automatically are a target. So then I learned that in this movie that his job was the cause of his demise doing what he was trained to do cost him everything he had but he made a vow to himself that he was going to kill every person attached to the demise and the destruction of his wife his children and his friends come here 
Have you ever noticed that when folk talk about the people who make up your heart, that all bets are off? And then at that point, you ain't got nothing to lose. You've counted up the cost and you've made up your mind that you know what, if this is all it's going to cost me, I'm good with it because I'm still going to do what I'm going to do. You ever been down this street? That, that when you've made up your mind that you've done, that you've calculated that, you know what, the worst thing that could happen to me is this, but they still going to know how I feel. And you go, have you ever done that before? Well, that's kind of where we are in this text. Many of us are sitting in this room and have already arrived to the point in our lives that you are already prepared to tap out. You have reached the pinnacle of your frustration, and the next step is to just kill everybody attached to your frustration. You have turned so many cheeks that you no longer have a cheek to turn. You've scheduled yourself a plastic surgery to get a BBL so you can develop more cheeks for folks to hit because you no longer have anything else to turn for them to hit. Y'all are quiet. I, 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 I can't turn around because you're going to hit me on my backside. I can't stand sideways because you're going to hit me on my side. I can't face you forward because you're going to think that my stomach is a cheek. So I have had to schedule an appointment to have surgery so I could have more cheeks to turn. But now I'm here to let you know I'm only going to turn so many times before I respond. I, I'm, not, I, I'm built to be saved. I am sanctified and set apart, but now I'm not so set apart that I can't bring you back to where I came from. I spent a lot of time keeping the monster that I know that lives in me. I spent a lot of time, Desmond, trying to keep my feet on top of him because I got enough sense to know that if he comes out, I will have no remorse. I'm so saved that I have enough sense to know that I have to talk to myself and tell myself, boy, look, shut your mouth. Shut your mouth, shut your face, and be still. Because if they walk wrong, I'm a buck wrong. If you talk crazy, I'm going to respond right. I'm not going to give you no space to get me twice. First time is on me. I had to learn. Second time, you won't live to tell nobody you did it. So then I understand his reason for executing people without remorse. You have scheduled yourself to move forward in success, but forgot that the weight and the magnitude of life requires that you do your due diligence. You have given up on God and godly principles because you no longer know how to balance the public stress of being a private prophet. All right, I'm going somewhere. I'm going somewhere. Watch this, watch this. I know who my prophets are. I say this all the time. I see you very clearly. Watch what you do. You speak in private what you want to manifest in public. You sit on it, you repeat it often, and you pray about it often, and then you wait for it to manifest in public. Watch this. I got scripture because you're going to put me out of here because here you go, Stuart. I'm not no prophet. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. You not only are a prophet, but you are an architect to your anointed future. You have a right to change what's going to happen based on what you do. Watch this. Number one, you have the power of life and death in your tongue. So why won't you open your mouth and tell God what it is you need? Now, if we was in the old church, they would say, and he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me that I am. So if he is my own, why can't I tell him? The desires of my heart. So then I learned here in the text that we have been so stressed out that you're within seconds of throwing in the towel and walking away from the very thing you've prayed for because you no longer know how to handle it without being remorseful. Ask to be anointed and God broke you. Ask to be elevated 
and you came back home. Moved up, moved out, and got broken. Connected to the wrong people at the right time, and you got exposed. You are now in a position that if God doesn't bring you out, you are going to lose everything. Am I in the house yet? Am I there? And so then you are at the place that if he don't fix it, then I'm just going to do what I know to do. And I'm going to do it without remorse because guess what? This is what I know works. Going back to what you know works is what got you where you are right now. It could be, beloved, that you have to do like, like Christ. You have to cast away your past, look towards your future, and keep walking. Sometimes your comfortability is what's convicting you. Your comfortability is what's convict. Your comfortability is what's causing you to miss your miracle. Your comfortability is what's causing you to not get to where you're supposed to be. Your comfortability. You would rather stay up all night and watch movies, but you can't get up early in the morning for prayer. I don't think that God doesn't want you to have it. I think your priorities are out of order. So then if your priorities are out of order with God, that also suggests that your priorities are out of line with me. So then that might suggest why some of our relationships are dying. Just, we're talking. We're just talking. And I've learned that if we don't address the root cause of what has made us remorseful, then we will miss the very blessing that being remorseful is. Can we talk? So then watch this. Now, I want to unload something. Remorse, and I'm, I'm, so let me own this, Pastor. I'm not going to make it to point one. I just, I just, are you left? Turn the organ off and let's go home. I'm not finna fool. I'm sick of this church. What that, what that boy said? Sick of this church. I'm sick of this church. Uh, 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 Don, go turn the truck on and just set everyone up in front of me, drive right over them. Weddings and funerals start off the same way. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today. It's the karma that makes the difference. And so I go get the turn the truck on, darling, and, and just bag it up to the door because and, and, I'm not going to be. Uh, and so at least I said it, you know. Remorse when we look at it. Now, I'm going to argue something that's tragic, and I'm going to get out the way. Remorse when we look at it in English. Noel Webster says that the meaning is that one feels a deep regret or feeling for a wrong that has been committed. Watch this. You feel a deep regret about a wrong that has been committed. Now, here is what Noel Webster didn't do, uh, Jonathan, that just made my hair stand up. He never said who did the wrong. He never said how the wrong was perpetuated. He never said how the person got hurt. He simply said that you have a Feeling, catch the term now, it's a parenthetical phrase if you want to talk about the English language, that you have a deep feeling of remorse about something bad that happened. Now, I can be honest, there are some things that I've done, Pastor, that I have no remorse for even at this very point in my life. I saw no need to repent about it because I was good with it when I did it. And not only did I do it once, I did what you said about communion. I did it as often as I deemed it necessary. And then because I had no feelings, watch this, I had no feelings, watch this, I had no feelings about what I did. It didn't matter who I hurt. 
God Almighty. So then if you go back and look, the reason some of us are damaged and the reason some of us are doing some of the things that we're doing has nothing to do about your regret. It is because you now have no fear. You are so numb, nothing I do will change where you are. So then when we look at this, he says, however, I want to go back. Now, that's what Webster said. Now, I agree with him to an extent, but this Latin is the business. He says, now listen, in the Latin, so in English, we spell remorse, R-E-M-O-R-S-E. That's how we spell it. But now, if you go look at it in its Latin terms, it is R-I-M-O-R-S, remorse, no E, that deals with a gnawing of distress from a current sense of guilt. Watch this. Come back. Come back. English says it is a feeling. The Latin says it is a gnawing distress. Watch this. Gnawing distress. You know, the old folk would say, you know, you hear the small, still voice that tells you you shouldn't be doing it. Gnawing distress. The thing that reminds you that even though you know you're wrong and you still do it, gnawing distress. So then that makes me believe that you knew what you did before you Gnawing distress. So then if that's true, then not only do you believe that this deep regret is true, but this deep regret also gnaws at you when you sleep. It gnaws at you while you're up during the day. It gnaws at you while you are woke during the day having a midnight experience. It gnaws at you when tears come down your eyes and you can't explain it. It gnaws at you when you're trying to figure out how to shake this thing off of you. It gnaws at you. Now, the Latin says that it gnaws. And now in the DSM-4, we call this thing a stem of depression. Y'all ain't going to talk to me today. I know I'm in the house. I know I'm in the house. Watch, I got one other point. I'm going to get this out of the way. So then if we're gnawing at the distress from occurrences of guilt or wrongdoing, that means that being able to rejoice requires that you intentionally do it. Rejoicing is not just an act. It is a thinking process. It is a made-up mind. It is an action that you must engage in consistently. Watch this. So then if we look at what rejoice means, rejoice in its English translation is to feel joy about something, right? To be excited about something. But when we look at what rejoice means in the Aramaic, it means to fill up with joy. I need my picture and my cups. If somebody do me a favor. And if somebody would just take the cups, give everybody a cup, and and then I'm going to get out the way. This is, thank you. So you take the top. Take the top. Thank you. I want to show you something. Give everybody a cup. Everybody needs a cup. Everybody needs a cup. If what I just read is true. And what I'm getting ready to show you, I'm after your sleep tonight. I have come to come against every depressive act and spirit that is bothering you that you haven't been able to talk about. I'm here to stop every demonic attack that you are under. And I'm getting ready to shift the very atmosphere of where your feet walk. When we finish with this, and it's not going to take us long. We're going to show you how this thing works. If it is true that we rejoice, we feel good about something, 
that's fine. But in Aramaic, it says that we feel with joy. So then what happens is what you're holding in your hands is your heart. It's the thing that everybody sees that you cover. It is the thing that you protect when you meet new people. It is the thing that you use in defense when you go snatch the soul out of somebody for talking about the folk you love. It is the thing that you explain caused you to go do what you did because you were broken. If the Aramaic language is right, it says that we feel with joy. We don't feel, E-E, we F-I. Y'all catch that? If that's true, then come here, uh, EJ. So watch. We're going to feel his heart with joy. Now, his responsibility is to take it. Once he's got what he needs, it is his job to go share his joy with somebody else. And when he shares what he's got, he comes back to the well. And he gets some more. And then he's responsible for going out to share it. And the person that receives some joy is responsible for coming to get some from the whale. And take it and go out and share it with somebody else. And then he comes back and gets some more joy and go share it. And now that you've got some joy, it is your job to come to the whale and get some more joy and go share it with somebody else. And then you come back to the well and get some more joy and you go share it with somebody else. And then you go back. So watch what happens. It appears that the well is empty. But what I have done is pour the well to the men. So then we are responsible for sharing the well with those that are running out of joy. If that is true, if that is true, everybody in this room, I was wondering, see, now, now thank you, because see, now, exactly, because I, I was getting ready to hammer that, exactly, exactly, nobody should walk out this room without some level of joy. We have confused joy with a feeling, E-E-L, but what God really meant was to feel your emptiness. It's to feel your brokenness. It's to feel the place that you've been sitting in the dry. So now let me show you what we're going to do next. It appears, Pastor Diane, that the well is empty. I disagree. Because if in fact we did what we were supposed to have done, 
then it proves that the scripture is true. That this joy that I have. <laughs> God Almighty. The world. And they can't take it. So then God doesn't deal with heartache. He doesn't do heart attacks. He doesn't do heartbroken. I can prove it. Because y'all read it all the time at the funeral. Let not your heart. If you believe in listen, if you believe in me and also watch, I'm finna get this out of you. Go no further. Some of us are sitting in this room. We're on the verge of giving. You're on the verge of walking away. You're at a place that you are so broken, you don't even know if God loves me enough to reach further out to pull me back in. If that's you, I just want you to lift your hands. I'm I'm not walking to you. I'm not going to bother you today. We're not going to come push you on the ground. That's what he did in the old church. I'm not going to do that. What I want to do today is show you that you can make it with what you've got already in you. It is all about perception. To the naked eye, I've run out of joy. To the naked eye, I've run out of strength. To the naked eye, I ain't got nothing else in me to give. I'm so empty. I'm so dry that I don't know if even being touched by a finger of love will help bring me back out of what I am in. I I got myself in it. I'm clear about that. But I'm sure hoping God will get me out of it. I struggle with how to go forward because I don't know how to stand where I am. I stand on the ground sky that God promised, stand on the elevation that he gave, walk in the expansion that he told me to do, and there are moments that I have to change my perspective. EJ, it looks like have nothing and if you really watch what happened it looked like I gave you everything I had to a bunch of people that I love if you watch what God did he gave us everything he had to a bunch of people that he loved now I got scripture says for God so loved that he gave his only I'm stressed I'm depressed I I cry myself to sleep at night I'm running on empty 
don't know how I'm going to keep going. And so then what I've learned about the church is that if you get here and you're empty, sometimes you just got to get to a few folk that'll share. Not all of it, just a little bit. And then sometimes you take your little bit and you go to the next. And you get a little more, just a little bit. And then you find somebody else that might need a little bit. And then you find somebody who's got a little more that'll share. And then you find somebody else that'll share. And then before you know it, you're not full, but you got just enough. And sometime God will give us just enough. That when you're running low, all you need is just a little bit. Don't matter who you get it from. They got it to share just a little bit. Uh-huh. And you come and you go share with the people that you love. And what you'll find is that sometimes all you need is the joy. And if you give it, it becomes their strength. Can we talk for a minute? I just want to take a moment. To release a little joy. I hope y'all don't make no fun of my little old sermon today. Just, just my, my little old sermon. I, I just wanted to share that you don't need much. Your perception does determine your prophecy. Is my vase, glass, picture empty? Or do I have just enough? Sometimes, EJ, all I need is just enough. Just enough. So just for a moment, I want you to lift your hands. Now put your water down. I want you to spill you because if you do, I'll be in trouble. My mopping days died in my 30s. I want you to lift your hands. The song says, because he lives. I can face tomorrow. Because he lives. Watch this. All my fears. Because she was given up and life because he lives now y'all help me with this one because he lives 
he lives. EJ, I can face. Because all my fears. Thank you. 